Welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl. Remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB. We have stars like Eric Ayala and Amy Alderbear, and also, you know, me. So we're here to talk basketball just about every single day, and more to the point, women's basketball, which is our passion and why we're here. Now, BetOnline.ag is the one who sponsors this week's Episode. And I want to remind you to reach out to betonline.ag where you can go ahead and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and make sure you let them know you want to be betting also on women's sports. This is another area in which we need to make sure there is equality all the way around. And I want to talk about the equality that comes with Angel McCautry, who is joining Players Media Group as their first female executive and investor. Uh, she's part of a star-studded group that includes a number of other players uh, in this field. We'll get into it a little bit later, but people like A.J. Andrews are part of this as well, people like Damian Lillard. But seeing Angel at the table for decision-making feels like a big deal. And so, Angel, to start there with you, is that part of what is so appealing here, that you're kind of directing the stories as much as it is being a part of them and a star of them? Yeah, I think it's something that's really important. Uh, you know, just especially on the female side, you know, um, sometimes a lot of people don't see our creative side and, and the creativity that so many women and to be a part of this is, is truly amazing. You know, with people like Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, um, you know, so I, I just want to be able to help, you know, shine the light on a lot of the creativity that the women offer. So, when it comes to that kind of creativity, and, and, you know, to me, you've always been this renaissance figure, not just in the game, but just in our society as a whole, you know, entrepreneurial, you name it. Is this not that you're yeah. nearing the end of a career, but thinking about ways in which you can add to that career, is this part of thinking about, like, what the next chapter starts to look like for you? I'm terribly sorry, but I, I missed most of that. You got you uh, were cutting out on me a whole bunch. Ah, sure. No, okay. it's okay. I, I was saying it, it's sort of yeah. Can you hear me better now? I hear you great now. Yeah, I was it's sort of both. You know, I, I'm 34 years old now, and that's kind of old in basketball. You you start to think about what you want to, and a lot of people ask me, "You want after you retire?" And I always say, I'm a creator. I want to be a creator. Kind of look like, well, I like a creator. 
start arranging to get into preaching and telling a story. So, I, I mean, to be a creator, how do you define that? And is there sort of a place you want to start when you think about stories that you're telling? And I, and I just want to give, by way of context for our listeners, I, I couldn't help you uh, help seeing you on social media, on Twitter, talking about Tina Turner. And again, you know, thinking in terms of the way and way in which her life has been framed and the way that story has been told. And again, the way that story has in many ways not been told. I, you know, do you see the way in which you want to go forward in this as, you know, something well beyond the sports world? Is there a different story that you'd like to start with? Um, well, yeah, I, I have many stories uh, in there that I, I want to start with. Um, you know, we can go on, we can be here for hours talking about it. But, um, you know, I just want to start from somewhere. And I think uh, the reason I mentioned Tina Turner a lot is I'm just so inspired by her story. Yeah. And to be someone who um, really just who really just started kind of in her 40s, you know, after all she went through, her big fame came in her 40s. And just to see, like, how she just overcame so much. And that's why, you know, I like the story and tell young kids, you know, your life is – you haven't failed yet. You're only in your 20s and you think life is over. You haven't even begun. So I always use her story uh, to tell the kids, like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's true. And, I, I, you know, and I, I had that eye, too, uh, to, to be able to tell different stories such as hers. Uh, there was this one lady called uh, Daniela Luna, and she was the first African-American uh, supermodel. Hmm. So I said, I want to get this story. And I found her daughter. Uh, who lives in Italy. I was like, hey, your mom's story is incredible. I can't believe this hasn't been out in films or anything anywhere. And she's like, oh, man, I wish she would have came a little earlier. There's, I, I just signed with a producer, some producers in L.A. to put her story out. And I was like, dang, I just missed it. But that's the eye that I have of the creativity where I want to get more stories like this and, and, and put them out there and stories about the women. Because a lot of women, af- athletic women have stories that we have not heard about. We know about maybe Serena or Venus. Uh, but there's so many others that nobody knows about their story. So I'm working on projects like that as well. I mean, you know, to see A.J. Andrews part of what you're doing and Ariel Powers uh, as well, it, it does reflect what you're talking about, which is to say that there's a scarcity of these stories that have been told. And so even as we're trying to do it in real time, and, you know, this is something I dedicate my life to as well, that there's this feeling like, Oh, there were so many that were missed the first time around. Um, you know, yeah. how, how do you how do you go about making sure that you find those stories? So I know it. You know, it's something where a lot of times some of the best uh, that I've been able to encounter were just like incidentally, like I'm reading about something vaguely related, and it turns out, wait, what's this? And you pull on a string. So, like, what's that process like for you? Yeah, well, the great thing about it is that stories, you know, last a lifetime, you know, someone's story. So you can pick up someone's story and still, you know, do what it takes to get it out. That's the great thing about stories, you know, um, even if one has been missed. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, you'll catch it and be like, you know what, this is a great story. You know, uh, there was a story that I caught uh, that I had just missed again. Her name is Brianna. She was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, she was the African-American goalie. Oh, uh, when sure. the soccer team. Brianna Scurry, sure. Yeah. Brianna Scurry, yeah. 
her story was incredible. A lot of people didn't know she went through some hardships and um, financial difficulties. She was actually a little bit. She had to sell a gold medal. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, this story is, whoa. I was like, I got to grab this story. And I, I got in touch with her and her, her people again. And, um, of course, uh, I had just missed that story because someone picked it up. Mm-hmm. Which I'm glad, you know, that these stories are getting picked up. And now she's doing well for herself. She's coaching uh, little leaguers and doing so much now. So these are stories that people need to hear. It's like yeah. there's a disconnect with these uh, famous women athletes, and then after they're done, there's a disconnect because there's there, we should never have Olympic gold medalists that should ever be homeless or in the street because they can't find a job or because you know and that's kind of the the gap the gap I want to bridge in a lot of the stories that you have these incredible women who are now because they missed that era of social media and things like that. You know what I mean? And, oh yeah. You know, there's been some struggles out there. So th- those are a lot of the stories I'm going to get um, as well that are, are definitely being missed. You know, having somebody like Natasha Cloud as part of this as well just serves as the latest yeah. reminder that there is uh, there is a racial justice element to what we're talking about here, right? There is there is a question of, like, why are these stories not being told, but also how they are being framed. I just I wonder whether you think after what we have gone through collectively in 2020, there is uh, more receptiveness and uh, a greater ability to frame those stories in a way they properly are, which, to my mind, in much the same way, the WNBA is in and of itself not just a story of basketball. It was a story of racial justice and a, and, uh, a story of equality between the sexes as well. Oh, yeah. When you start to get to the social injustice side, yeah, there's there's many stories, um, you know, to have Natasha Cloud do what she did. Uh, it was, took off the WBA to really fight. That was a big deal, you know. And um, So on that, when you start to get to social justice, there are many stories that have never been told. But at the same time, there are many stories that are being told today. I, I, uh, every time I turn on TV, there's a new story of some something of that caliber being told. And, and many stories of, of people like a new, a new Aretha Franklin movie is out or Mahalia Jackson. So th- there's, they're, they're getting these stories out, which is good, you know. Um, but there's just many stories, like, you know, that it doesn't matter which race. They, there's a story in every race. You know, look at the story of Selena. That was a big deal. You know what I mean? And, and she's Latino. So um, it's, I think it's just important, no matter what the race is, to get to get the story of the struggle because mm-hmm. that's the thing that people relate to. Well, so, can, can we talk about your story too? Because what you just yeah. did in 2020 is something that is remarkable to, to come back from the injury you had and not just to play in the league once more, but to have. I mean, if you go by efficiency stats, that was the best year you've had in 10 years. I mean, it was yeah. an incredible <laughs> thing to see. And so, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't really understand how you managed to do that, but I guess it's because that's part of the Angel McCautry story is that these things happen because you make them happen. But I just wonder how satisfying that was for you as somebody who has done so many things already, who has accomplished so much. Was it significant to be able to do this to this level after your injury? I think it was. Because it's, it's something about being an athlete and then you get hurt that everybody just wants to doubt and put you down like you're nothing. So I dealt with a lot of that. And I'm just like, where is this stuff coming from? I've had a great career all, all my years and now I get hurt. Now I'm just 
I'm not going to be anything anymore. So I had something to prove. Uh, and, and everybody knows the story of when I got hurt and, you know, some of the people in Atlanta uh, in that organization, I wasn't treated appropriately. And, and people know that story. So I definitely had something to show. Like, hey, I'm still here. Just, you know, that the little bump in the, in the road, it doesn't stop greatness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, so and I definitely had something to prove with well, that. And it feels like you you did at the start. Obviously, you've begun to prove it, I should say. But there's yeah. also that that next level. I remember talking to you about it right at the end of the playoffs, about the fact that I know a championship is something that is central in your goals here and mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. And so bringing Liz Cambage back, having a starting five that – is going to be hard to match with anyone in this league. Uh, you know, the, obviously the league is tremendously talented, but having that group of five uh, with Chelsea Gray as well and Kelsey Plum back from injury and Liz back uh, from her year away in Asia, I, I mean, does this feel like potentially the best team you've ever played on? Oh, absolutely. Why not? With all that talent, I've never played with so much talent before, only on the Olympic team, mm-hmm. you know. But to play uh, in the Dembe with, with this much talent, it's, it's going to be amazing. And I'm ready to have a lot of fun with these girls. I think this is a year um, to win a championship. It's it's a must. And, you know, when you have all that talent, it's just kind of like, let's just might as well win it, you know. So it's really exciting. When you envision yourself, and, and I guess I should ask whether you do, but I, I, I believe from our previous conversation, visualization I know is a significant part of what you do. Do you yeah. visualize what that looks like next fall? And can you kind of take our listeners through what you see when you do? Oh, yeah, always. You know, you just visualize that moment that is going to happen. You kind of live in it. Like you, like, you don't live in it like, oh, I hope this happened. Oh, I wish. Because that's kind of defeating the purpose. You kind of live in it like it's happening. It's mm-hmm. here. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Kind of thing. You envision, you visualize it, you meditate on it, you just see yourself holding that trophy. You just see your teammates jumping. It's kind of like just, kind of like, uh, pre-meditation before it happens. It's, uh, you know. So that's what it's about, visualization. I think, um, it's something that kind of works. And, and just related to that, I, it always feels ridiculous for me to ask this of you, given how much you've already done on the court. But you do. You continue to add to your game. And I just have to note this, and you'll forgive the statistical nerdery from me, but you shot 47.1% from three-point last year. 50-50 uh-huh. from beyond the arc. It's not like you weren't shooting threes before, but it just took it to a different level. You shot 88% from the free-throw line. You, you know, north of 50% uh, from, you know, from field range, you were essentially a stone's throw from a 50-40-90. And so... I use that as a framework of, is there another added skill you're bringing into the 2021 season that's just going to kind of walk away and say, oh, you know, oh my God, Angel McCosh is doing this now? Yeah, I definitely want to get that uh, 50, 40, 90 this year. I should have got last year. Uh, but, yeah, it's something I'm adding. And I realized, too, uh, we're coming to this team. Everybody knows I'm a slasher. I like to attack the basket. But mm-hmm. I realized, I said, okay, I have two bigs now. Uh, that like to kind of clog up the paint, which is a good thing. You got Liz and you got Asia. So I was like, I'm not going to have that space like I did in Atlanta to just kind of just drive in the basket. I said, so I need to start hitting a three-point shot because people are going to double those girls because they're so good. 
And I got to be ready to hit the three. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, was my mentality. And sure enough, when they would go try to help off and double on Asia, I said, okay, I'll make you, I'll punish you. And in that way, that gave um, Asia a lot of space to create, uh, definitely when she was on my side. So um, that's kind of where that came from, mm-hmm. knowing who I was playing with. It, it all makes sense, and it's going to be fascinating to see in person, uh, which I certainly am hopeful we're moving as a country toward the point of being able to do that. Um, but before I let you go, your alma mater is once again, of course, right in the thick of things in the Sweet 16. I had a chance to talk uh, yeah. to, to Jeff Laws about what's been going on and Dana Evans and, and what he always does every time this comes up is he always brings it back to the legacy that you started. And I just I just wonder how proud you are of that and how much you think of Louisville in those terms, that in a lot of ways that program is the house the Angel McCautry built. I mean, it, it, it really is no worse to describe how proud I feel. I remember when I was uh, my junior year, I was at the um, the tournament, and they, they have, like, these high school um, All-Americans that come too. So all the girls that made the All-American team in college – they were cheering on the girls that were great sign with their school. So I went to Jeff Walls. I'm like, Jeff Walls, I'm sitting here watching the, the high school All-American game. I was like, I have no girls to cheer for. So can you get some All-Americans or what? <laughs> you know, I was like the only one not cheering for high school girls. I, I felt kind of embarrassed about it. And, and he, he was said, don't worry. He's like, don't worry. I'm going to get it. And now, I mean, over and over, each year he gets all these top All-Americans and it's just it's just kind of a, a good feeling to see that that people want to come to Louisville because you have no idea when I when I got there they had never had all Americans go to school yeah. it, they had not been past the first round of the tournament ever in school history mm-hmm. so and then you, you just people just don't know that looking at the program now it's such right. a long way and they average ten thousand fans I mean it's amazing to see that it's it's really amazing it, it is as long as there is basketball being played. They will talk about what you did at Louisville, what Asia Wilson has done in South Carolina. Time and time again, program builders, and and there's a really significant thing. But it is obviously good for our listeners to know that uh, Jeff recruited Haley Van Lith essentially as a favor to you. So I'm I'm sure that that's worked Mm -hmm. out pretty well for everyone involved, I would say, (laughs) so far. Well, Angel McCautry, it is always great to chat with you and catch up. We are always appreciative of the time, and all the best of luck in your work, both as a basketball player and a media mogul, and I'm sure many other things as well. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.